verse 8, we're going to be in verses 8 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read it. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I love this section. I want to tell you guys a joke really quick before we start. It says, after God created... Now, this is not biblical, okay? This is not Genesis 1-3. After God created 24 hours of alternating darkness and light, one of the angels asked him, what are you going to do now? And God said, I think I'm going to call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Let's keep going. It was funny. So this morning, we're going to be talking about light and darkness. Okay, and I want to point out a few things that may ha- we may have just it may have gone over your head because you skimmed by it or you never really studied this in depth. But one of the key things that we're going to see this morning is that you, as a Christian, okay, because Paul is writing to Christians, that me as a Christian, as a born again believer, I am a child of light. Okay. I am a child of light. And what, what does that mean? Like, do, do I exuberate light like, like this light up? No, not. it's a symbol. And we're going to talk about this morning how light and darkness are a symbol in the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to see two ways, two symbols of each one of those. But he says in verse 8, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, Paul is going to tell us to walk a few different types of ways. I already talked about the first three, or the the three earlier in Ephesians 5, where he says walk in love, walk in light, and then walk in wisdom. But there was also one other way that he told us to walk in the beginning of chapter 4. Does anybody know what it is? Close. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. Right? You, as a Christian, are to walk worthy worthy in other words this is what worthy means it means to balance off to let your living balance off with your identity okay so you have been identified in christ okay now you have to walk worthy of that basically you have to walk the talk okay you say you're a christian now walk worthy of it live it out don't be a hypocrite okay you are to walk worthy you are a new creation in christ now we have to walk that way. And the next thing he tells us is that right after that, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Be imitators of God. Those are two huge things that we as Christians should understand and obey. We are to walk worthy and imitate God. Listen, if you're going to walk worthy of your calling, you're going to have to walk in the way that God would walk, which means imitating him. So those two things go hand in hand. And then we saw that we have to walk in love, right? Because to imitate God means to walk in love. That's, that's a way we are to imitate. We talked about how, you know, we're not supposed to imitate God in everything that he is because 
quite honestly, we can't, right? I can't create something by just speaking it into existence. Only God can do that. I can't be in multiple places at a time. You know, there's, there's, I'm limited in my strength and my power and my knowledge. God is not. But the things that I can imitate God in is two things that we saw in verse 32 of chapter 4 where it says, forgiving one another even as Christ forgave you. And the second thing was in verse 2 of chapter 5 was to walk in love. So two things that we can imitate as Christians is to forgive others and to walk in love. Okay, And those two things are what our Father exemplified to us. He didn't just say it, he actually did it. Right? We see the forgiveness because he actually forgave us. And we see the love because he actually loves, loves us. Then we even saw it more manifested and exemplified when Jesus then came on the scene as a human. Right? He walked in love. He forgave. Jesus exemplified it. And so we as children of God are to imitate it as well. So uh, we are to walk in love. And as we walk in love, we're not going to partake in these things that the world partakes in that Paul mentions, fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, things that, that shouldn't even be named amongst you as Christians. Like that's not who you are. That's, it's not who you are now. It's who you were. Okay. You have been redeemed. And we're going to see that this morning again. Paul's going to contrast the lives of the Ephesians before Christ and then the current lives of the people now. Look at this in verse 8. Look at it with me. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Right? You see the contrast here. Of, this is who you were, and this is who you are now. Okay? It's not that this is who you were, and you're still somewhat that person. No, you are a new creation. You are now light in the Lord, and walk as children of light. You know what's crazy? And if you if you you might miss this again, I said this earlier, if you kind of just skim over it, don't really think about it. Paul says right here to the Ephesians, he says, "For you were once darkness." Right? He didn't say you once lived in darkness or that you were once in darkness. What does he say? You were darkness. That's pretty hard. Right? Like you were darkness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I want to touch on that, but not right now. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light. Okay? Darkness wasn't just an external thing, but it was an internal thing. It penetrated to the core of their being and our being. But you know what? Christ, because he is light, he has reversed that. So now light is in the center of our lives. Now listen, you guys understand light and darkness. You guys are old enough to understand this, that if you have light and darkness in the same room, what's going to happen? Huh? Which one? Darkness, right? Light always wins. Can you have both in the same room? No. Light will always prevail. Darkness can never dispel light. It always works the other way around. Light always dispels darkness. Light always wins. Always. Even just in that simple concept of seeing light and darkness. But we also have to understand that concept when it comes to spiritual things. That light always wins. God always wins. And God is light. Right? God doesn't... He always wins. And we, always, we have to understand too that he has already won. Okay? 
you guys understand this? When, when Jesus Christ died and he rose again, victory was given. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He broke the bondages of that power. It was utterly destroyed. Satan thought that he was going to win by killing Jesus, but really it was just all part of Jesus' plans. Like he needed to die to win. He rose again, right? How many people have died and come back to, to life apart from God doing that for somebody? No one, right? Because no one has the power to overcome death. Once we're dead, we're dead. But Christ rose again, showing that he had power over death. And death is the consequence of sin, right? Because when sin came into the world, before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve were never meant to die. But when sin came in, death was then given because it was one of the consequences. And there you see that Jesus, when he rises again from the dead, that he has victory and power over it. What is it? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Jesus has conquered all. And now you, that you're a child of God, like you have that same victory. Like we fight from a stance of that we've already won, that we are victorious, but we still have to fight. So light always prevails over darkness, always, whether it's in the physical sense that we see light and darkness, or if it's in the spiritual sense, light always prevails. Now we do have to understand a little bit more of what light means. Okay. It's more than just what this is. We have to understand in the spiritual sense what God is showing us in his word, the difference between light and darkness. So if we are going to be children of light and walk in the light, we have to understand what the light is, right? Makes sense. So I want to touch on that a little bit this morning. Now it is very simple. It's nothing that's going to go over your head. It's a very simple concept, but the light here that Paul is talking about, and when you see it in the Bible, it speaks of two different things. One time it can, it can speak of the intellectual side of light and darkness, or another time it might be speaking of the moral side of light and darkness. Okay? Now with the intellectual side, it's really just speaking of truth and what's not truth. Okay? So light in the, in the intellectual side will speak of uh, light would be truth and darkness would be the opposite. Whatever is not truth. Okay? Now, in the moral side, that just speaks of behavior, okay? That is where we get, you know, the Star Wars, good versus evil, right? You've got the bad works, and then you've got the good works, right? Light is obviously what? Good, and bad is obviously dark. (laughs) Dark is obviously bad. I messed you up on there, right? So we have to understand that as we... As we go through this, living in light means living in truth and living in holiness. Okay, so you got the intellectual in the truth and you got the moral in the holiness. Okay, that's your behavior. Now, as darkness, intellectually refers to ignorance or just being blinded, not understanding. But on the moral side of it, again, it refers to bad or evil. So the first thing I want to talk about is the intellectual side which for light and darkness, that would be knowledge or truth or understanding against blindness or ignorance, okay? So understand this, light is knowledge 
And darkness is being blinded to knowledge and blinded to the gospel. And you will find verses upon verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that prove this point. A few of them that I'm going to give you. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Listen, this, this verse here is not talking about deeds or your actions or your behavior. It's talking about truth. Okay, the intellectual side of it, truth. God's truth and that God's word is a light. It is knowledge. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, here you see light as truth, as knowledge. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Verses 3 through 6 say, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? So light and darkness in one aspect can exemplify and show us that there is a truth and that there is non-truth, that there is uh, wisdom and understanding, and then there is an ignorance and there is a blinding. Okay? And it's important that you do see truth and that you do understand truth because then it will affect the second part of light and darkness, which is morality, which is your behavior, right? Depending on what your truth is, your behavior will follow that, correct? So if I gave you guys the example about a week ago, you have to have right truth in order to live a holy and righteous way. So for instance, Let's say Joseph and Camden are standing on a bridge. If you guys remember this, this example, Joseph and Camden are standing on a bridge. Joseph's truth, what he believes, his, he's been enlightened, like he's got wisdom and knowledge, right? He is standing on the bridge and says, I can't fly, right? Camden, who's blind and ignorant, <laughs> is standing on the bridge, doesn't know the truth, right? He says, I can fly, right? Now, in the next five minutes, their actions are going to be completely different because one believes and understands the truth and the other one has been blinded to it. The other one doesn't see it, doesn't understand it, doesn't believe it, right? So Joseph, because he knows the truth, is not going to jump because he knows he can't fly. Camden it's the last time we'll see him, right? He thinks he can fly. So understand this, that when it comes to the light and darkness, God, has, God can, can unveil the truth to us so that we can live righteous and holy lives. Now, if God has not revealed that to you, if you have not seen the truth, then you will not live righteous and holy lives. You will live lives that are in darkness, that portray works of darkness, which we have read over and over and over again, especially in Ephesians. One of that, we see this in verse 3. Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, right? An idolater, uh, uh, unclean person, fornicate, all these different things, all these different people. 
speak of darkness, works of darkness. And the works of darkness come when you're blinded to the truth. Okay? But you as a Christian, the truth has been revealed to you. You see it. You know it. You search it. And because of that, you're able to live by it and walk worthy of it. You're able to walk as children of light. You guys get this? You guys understand this? It's important. So again, he says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we looked at the intellectual side of it, the understanding, the truth and the non-truth. Now let's look at the, the moral side of it, the behavior. Okay? So light would represent holiness and dark would represent not holiness. <laughs> Unholiness. Listen, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Romans 13, 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You know, we see often New Testament, the, the works of the flesh, right? Which is the works of darkness. It's the unholiness in us. But because we are children of light and light is holiness, we can live lives that are holy. And it's only because of God. It's not anything that we can do on our own. Listen, again, you have the intellectual side of darkness, not knowing God or his truth which results in a moral darkness doing the deeds of that darkness, okay? doing the works of darkness. On the other hand, light is knowing the truth and it results in living it out. Now as Christians, Paul commands us that we walk in the light. Now why should we as Christians walk in the light, which I think I've already covered a little bit, but the main reason is because we are children of light. We are to walk in light because we are children of light we are God's children. Listen, 1 John 1, 5-7 will explain this. It says, This is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. Right? If God is light, that means his children are going to be light. Right? Like it just makes sense. So you as a child of God are going to be light. There we go. And you have to walk in light. You will walk in light. You, you will not walk in. You cannot walk in darkness anymore because you are light. Okay? Do you, do you get this? Because he said this is who you were, but this is who you are now. You, you, you don't go back. You can't lose your light. Okay? We've, we studied this in John where, where we understood that you, you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's permanent. It's done. If you have been born again, if you've repented and given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a child of light and, and there is darkness no more. You cannot walk in darkness. Okay? Light always wins. God is light. Let me, I didn't even finish the verse. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Again, that's showing you that, that being blinded or being in the dark exemplifies uh, the opposite of truth. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And if you're a son of God, you are a son of light. And if you are a son of light, there is no darkness at all. Again, walk as children of light. What does this? What does it mean to walk? So Paul tells us to walk worthy. Paul tells us to walk uh, in love and to walk in light. And then he's going to tell us to walk in wisdom. What does it mean to walk? Does anybody know what walking means? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of you are like, I'm pretty sure. Is that like a trick question? Listen, often in the Bible, when it talks about walking, it refers to uh, your conduct, okay? How you, how you live your life. Now, we see often in the Bible, even in, in the beginning, in Genesis, we saw Enoch and we saw Noah. There are two people that walked with who? God, right? Enoch's an actually an, an interesting example because... It said that Enoch walked with walked with God and he was found not. Mean that mean that 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 basically God took him. Like God's like you're mine now. Come with me. And you know how old Enoch was when when God took him? Three hundred and sixty-five years old, which is how many days in a year? Three hundred and sixty-five. Right, so it gives us ex- this example that you, this walking, is an everyday thing. It's it's your conduct. It's who you are. Right, who you are doesn't always result in the Sunday, the Sunday Joseph, or the Wednesday night Joseph, or the Friday night Joseph. Right, who you are is day in and day out. Right, who you are at school, who you are at s- six o'clock in the morning when your parents wake you up. Right. It's not just these two hours when we see one another. That doesn't really give us a good vibe in, in, in who we are, right? I told you guys it was not long ago where I, I feel like I know most of you, right? If you talk to me. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know who you are because you don't talk to me. But if you do talk to me, I, I'm saying that honestly. If you do talk to me, I know who you are. And then sometimes I'll hear these stories from other kids or parents. And, and I'm like, is is that really who Joseph is? Like, he doesn't act that way around me. Obviously, I know it's different too because, you know, I'm your youth pastor and stuff like that. But it's, it's always interesting. And then I think, okay, well, that's, that's who, who he truly is, right? Who you truly are in, in the times when either nobody's around or your pastor's not around or your parents aren't around or your Christian friend's not around. That's who you are. And we have to understand that we are to walk in light every single day whether people are around or people aren't around five things i want to look at as we go forward five things that paul is going to show us that we need to know if we are to walk as children of light and these five things that we need to know are very simple and practical things and the first one which we we already really looked at but it's the contrast it's the contrast between light and darkness is the contrast between children of light and children of darkness again in verse 8 he says you were once darkness but now you are light in the world you know this isn't shocking but this is showing us that we need to live up to our identity as children of light remember i said earlier that that he says that you were once darkness not that you once lived in darkness or that you were in darkness but you were darkness and you may be thinking well man that's pretty harsh that 
I was literal darkness. Do you know what? That doesn't even cross my mind. My, what crosses my mind is that I was literal darkness and yet Christ still loved me. Right? Like, I, I'm not even really worrying about like who I was or what I was in. in. I, I'm thinking, how in the heck can Jesus Christ love me so much that he would love me as darkness, like when I was dark, in darkness, as darkness, right? That Christ loved me while I was yet still a sinner, that Christ loved me when I was an enemy with him. Our darkness is dark, guys. Like there's, you know, like there's no shade of different shades of darkness. You know what I mean? If there's no light, it's just dark. And when, when, when Paul is telling us you were once darkness, it's not like, yeah, Patrick was like a little bit in like darkness and, but Jeffrey was like really darkness. No, with no light whatsoever, we're all the same, right? So no matter your past of what you've done, maybe you've been the most gnarly kid that's ever existed. Or maybe you've been the most good and sweet Christian homeschool kid, right? But if you don't have Jesus in both of those scenarios, you are both the same shade of darkness. Do you understand that? My tattoo, I've said it a lot, says, son, I loved you at your darkest, right? Son, I loved you at your darkest because I've realized that Jesus Christ loved me in my darkest, which is just as dark as anybody else's. If you heard my testimony, you'd be like, it's not that bad. Do you know what? I was separated from God. There was no light. It's just as dark as, as the worst person you can think of. He says, you were once darkness and Christ loved me in the midst of that and he saved me. And when he saved me, he then made me a child of light that I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. So we see the huge contrast here. Okay. Often Paul mentions it. He mentions it in Ephesians chapter two, uh, back in uh, verse one and two, he says, let's look at it really quick. He says in you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, right? This is who you were. This is who you are. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. But God, who is rich in mercy because, because of his great love with which he loved us. And he keep going. Paul is, is just reflecting on this is who I was, but now that I have Christ, I'm a new creation. Now this is who I am. Right? Often Paul mentions this. This stuff is, it's past stuff. In verse 12, he even says it too. He says, um, that at, this, at the time you were with, uh, without Christ, right? You were without Christ. But then he says in verse 13, but now in Christ, right? This is who you were, but now this is who you are. So to understand uh, this light and this darkness, these practical things that Paul is going to give us, we have to understand that there is a contrast between light and darkness. Okay, that's the first thing. There's a contrast. This is who you were, but now this is who you are. And understand that in a contrast, there's no comparisons, right? They don't look the same, correct? Like you are not to look the same as darkness. You are not to look the same as the world. 
You are to be different. Right? You are not to partake, as Paul even said in verse 7, of these things. You're, you're not to be partakers of them. And he'll tell us in a minute, he says, you should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, which is in verse 11. So the second thing that Paul points out is in verse 9. So first he gives us the contrast of the children of light. Now he's going to give us our characteristics. Okay. And what are these characteristics? Verse 9. It says, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And what's interesting is some manuscripts replace spirit with light. So for the fruit of the light, so for the fruit of you as children of light, this is what you are to exemplify. This is what you are to bear as fruit, okay? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, obviously, this is on top of the fruit of the spirit that we are supposed to bear that we see in Galatians. But the three that we're going to see here that we're going to read in context is goodness, righteousness, and truth. So these are things that you can look for in your life. Am I, am I bearing them? Am I, am I exemplifying them? Am, are, they, are they evident in my life? Can people see them? Can I see them? Because that's a mark of a child in light. You are to manifest these. You are to bear these fruit. Goodness. In the context of this epistle, goodness equates to moral excellence. Righteousness is what is right in the eyes of God and truth. Truth, interestingly enough, in this epistle, Paul mentions truth more frequently than any other virtue. And we've touched on this quite often in the past few weeks. Truth, it's vital, it's important. Again, we, we touched on this earlier this morning where that what you believe in is going to equate to what you do, right? So we have to see and understand truth and live in truth. He goes on to say in verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out this, it's this word that was used in the testing of metals to see if they were genuine, right? Putting something to the test seeing if it's the real thing, and then putting your approval on the thing being tested. Okay, Testing to see if it's what it is. And part of learning to walk in light is putting the things in my life or your life to the test to see if they are acceptable and well-pleasing to the Lord. The third thing that he's going to tell us, the practical thing that he's going to show us, is in verse 13. But let's read verse 12 really quick. He says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Actually, I'm sorry. The, the third thing that he's going to mention is in verse 11, which talks about... I totally jumped ahead. I'm sorry. In verse 11, he says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Okay. So we got our contrast, right? We got our, our characteristic of who children of light are. Now we're going to get a command in verse 11. Okay, so the contrast and the characteristics lead to this command. And what's the command? Very simple. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Remember, when we're looking at the contrast, we're seeing this huge, you know, difference in who children of light are compared to children of darkness. Right? It's so different. You are so far removed as a children of light 
that you are to look completely different. Goodness and righteousness and truth are all to be in your life. And you are to have absolutely no fellowship with darkness. And this fellowship has this idea, it comes from the the root word of, of koinonia, which talks about not just a fellowship like, oh, you can't like really talk about it or or, or talk with, with people like that. It has to do with an intimacy. Okay, this fellowship has to do with an intimacy like like being one. Okay, intimacy like a husband and life, like a wife. Like they become one, right? Become one flesh and one body. It's the same type of fellowship that we have with Christ. There's this intimacy. Okay, I'm not to have that same intimacy with the world or the works of darkness. Don't get involved in them. And if you are, you need to get out of them. Don't get involved in the ignorance of the world. And don't get involved in the immorality of the world. Listen, I know this is super obvious, but you can't be light and darkness at the same time. Just thought I'd mention that. You can't be light and darkness at the same time. The fourth thing is again in verse 11. He says, rather expose them. So we got the uh, contrast, the characteristics, the command. And now we get a second command in verse 11. And the fourth thing is to expose them. Expose what? What does expose even mean? Expose means to convict, refute, to find fault with, admonish, reprove, to call to account and show one his fault, demand an explanation, to rebuke in such a way so as not just to inform the other person they did a bad thing, but for them to actually be convinced themselves of just how wrong they were, for them to experience the conviction of sin. Now, I read that, I say that, I believe that, but understand that we do everything in love and gentleness, okay? I am not going to beat Patrick over the head because of some sin that he's committing so that I am trying to expose it and get it out of him and make him feel bad. I'm going to do it in love and gentleness and I'm going to reveal it to him and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to convict him, okay? I, I do not do the Holy Spirit's job, okay? I'm not trying to stand over Patrick's shoulder and trying to convict him, okay? I expose it, and the Holy Spirit then convicts him. And that conviction of understanding that what I have done or what I am doing, I then repent of it. I give it to Christ. I, it's, it's been exposed, and now that exposure leads to a freedom. It leads to a, a forgiveness from Christ, and that I no longer have to walk and be bound by that darkness. Listen, being exposed is a good thing. It's a fruitful thing. It's a freeing thing. How do we expose darkness? I got two things for you. One, sometimes you just have to speak up. You have to say something. But again, I want you to understand, we do this all in love and gentleness. The second thing is sometimes you don't need to say anything. <laughs> Because the Holy Spirit will actually expose the darkness. Which is awesome. Because sometimes we're, we're too fragile or too scared or too timid. But yet the Holy Spirit, because He cares and He loves, will convict and expose. 
Sometimes just our presence will be enough and the work of the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. You know, it's so interesting that, you know, even like this past week, I went to um, the Clayton football team and we we, uh, we were able to, to speak with them and pray with them. And I went with Pastor Kevin and a couple other guys and the coach comes out and all the guys are sitting on the bleachers, all the football players. The coach comes out and, you, you know, like football, it's pretty rough and tough and, you know, it's it's not very dainty and like, you know, so when they're giving speeches and when they're talking to one another, it comes across, you know, rough and oftentimes vulgar. And the coach came out and he saw us and he's like, guys, because there's religious folk here, I'm, I'm going to refrain from using some words. You know, just our presence alone, you know, convicted the guy enough to not say a few certain words that he knew were wrong. Right now, obviously, we were not there to judge him and, you know, check and count how many bad words he was going to say. No, but that's just what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what our presence can do. It, it can expose that darkness. It can bring conviction. Again, I want to just emphasize this again, that we are to do this all in love. Listen, the, the point of exposing darkness is to restore a person. Okay. To restore your brother or your sister. Somebody wake Jacob up. Somebody, so, so so that you're not doing it to tear them down. I love how everybody looks over. That's, wow, like you've never seen a person sleep before. Listen, so often because we are selfish, that when you find out that, oh my gosh, Emma, did you hear about that? Or somebody tells you in secret that Emma's doing this thing. I'm making this up. Maybe, I don't know. Right? So like, I don't know, Hannah comes and tells me something and, you know, I could easily take that information and just destroy her, right? And sometimes we do that. Sometimes, you know what I mean. Sometimes we take that information and we, we were like, take this verse and we're like, yeah, I'm going to expose the sin. I'm going to tell everybody. No, 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 no. You're doing that, which you're not doing that to restore a person in gentleness. You're doing that to basically ruin them and destroy them you know so you have to look and see why am i doing this what's the intention behind it do i care and love for that person that i don't want emma to keep walking in darkness and i want to restore her and not everybody needs to know about it or am i going to be this dumb kid that's going to you know post it on snapchat and just you know ruin you know her next two years you know i really want you to think about that and this, this goes beyond just for 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. This is for us as 20, 30, 40-year-olds that we fall in that trap sometimes. He says, look, in verse 12, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Sometimes we just take it so much that we, we have no shame, and yet we're like, okay, well, let's just go tell everybody about it. But, but where's, where's the shame? Where's the, the conviction We have to be careful, guys. He goes on in verse 13. He says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Listen, again, when things are exposed, when things are made manifest, it's good. It's a good thing. Because what happens more often than not is that if it's not exposed, if it's not revealed, then it's not something that we work on something that will entangle you it's something that can 
just hurt and destroy. And yet because of God's love and care for us, some things will be exposed. Because God is light, that's just his character. That's what happens. It, it, it will be exposed. It has to be exposed. So my question for you, one of my questions is, do you have parts of your life that are hidden? And if they are hidden, more than likely it's something that is not being worked on. It's not something that's being repented of. But once it's exposed, whether by you, the Holy Spirit, somebody else, it's out in the open. And when I say out in the open, I don't mean like the whole world has to know. Maybe one person knows, but now that one person knows, you're able to work on it. You're able to repent of it and turn from it. That's what light does. It's good for you guys. Again, we talk about all the time, like conviction and all that stuff. It hurts. Like we don't like it. Nobody like goes to church and like, God, really convict me today. You know, like, no, like we, we want what happens after conviction. We want to walk worthy of, of us as Christians, as children of light, right? But sometimes we, we kind of want to bypass the conviction and the repentance part, right? But it's necessary for conviction and repentance to come for us to walk worthy. And that's why light then exposes our darkness. The fifth thing that Paul tells us, and we'll close here, is in verse 14. He says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. And he's quoting Isaiah here. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The last thing that Paul tells the Ephesians, the last thing that Paul tells us when he's speaking of the light and darkness, is he gives us an invitation. He gives you an invitation. He presents the gospel by by quoting a Bible verse in the Old Testament, and one sentence at that, he provides you the gospel. Listen. He says, awake, you who sleep, right? You were once dead. You were in your trespasses. You were without Christ. But you can, ar- you can arise from the dead. You can be made alive. You can be made whole. You can be cleansed. You can be children of light because Christ, because of Christ, because God is light. God is love. And God so loved the world, right? that he gave his only begotten son. He, he gave us what is needed to expose and defeat darkness. Christ will give you light. So he gives you that invitation. Will you accept that invitation? Is there something in your life that, that needs to be revealed or that needs to be worked on? You know, are you walking worthy as a child of light? Are you? Or is it is your light being dimmed or blocked by some sin? 